This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glenn. Hello everyone, I am of course your host Lance Glenn and this is episode 84 of the On The Banks Podcast. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore G11 and you can follow On The Banks on Twitter as well at OTB underscore SB Nation. If you enjoy what we do with the On The Banks podcast, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us just by searching On The Banks. With Rutgers football in full swing and the return of Rutgers basketball in a little over a week, make sure to check out OnTheBanks.com for all your Rutgers news, opinions, and information on every game and everything happening during the week. Joining me on episode 84 is Keith Sargent of NJ.com and Aaron McMahon of MLive.com. It was a tough loss for Rutgers last week. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, right? A prime opportunity to beat an Illinois team that Rutgers, I thought, was better than and move to 2-2 two and two halfway through this first year in the Shiano era part two. Unfortunately, the execution on both sides of the ball just wasn't there. The adjustments weren't there, and the play calling wasn't there as well. Look, nevertheless, the season... It continues. It continues to march on. Hopefully, you know, as we we always do each week, we keep our fingers crossed. But another opportunity now presents itself, this time in the form of a Michigan team that, to put it simply, is just a complete mess right now. Look, is Michigan more talented right now than Rutgers? Yes. But as we have seen, talent doesn't always win out this season, especially. And look, if Rutgers can learn from their mistakes of weeks past, specifically last week, the chance is there. Jim Harbaugh's seat, as you'll hear in our discussion with Aaron McMahon, it's starting to get a little warm. I wouldn't say it's hot now, but it's starting to get a little warm. And if you remember correctly, Rutgers beat Michigan in Brady Hoke's final year in Ann Arbor. That Rutgers win really all but secured Hoke's departure from Michigan the following offseason. How fitting would it be to do the same to Jim Harbaugh, a team and a coach that had no shame in embarrassing Rutgers, you know, in Chris Ash's first year. It's a big task, yes, but it's certainly not an impossible one. It'll take a lot of adjustments, it'll take better execution and better decision-making in order to pull off the upset, but this Rutgers team, as we've seen, certainly won't quit, and that alone will give them a chance this Saturday night. Time to talk to the reporters. Here's your host, Lance Glenn. Joining me on episode 84 of the podcast is Rutgers football beat writer for NJ Advanced Media, Keith Sargent. Sarge, appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much for coming on and joining me. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So Sarge, let's start with last week. Look, a tough 23-20 loss to Illinois, a game that I and I'm sure many others looked at look at as an opportunity wasted for the Scarlet Knights. A lot of blame to go around, whether it was play calling, lack of adjustments, the inability to stop the mobile quarterback, turnovers, and of course, others as well. As you look back on last Saturday, having now had a few days to kind of dissect what happened, what do you think contributed most to Rutgers losing on a last second field goal to Illinois? I'll give you a couple. Uh, I mean, I, I don't disagree that, you know, it was a disappointing loss. You know, they were favored. I do have to say that it's funny because expectations change, right? Because, you know, going into the year, Illinois was a team that had beaten Rutgers you know, pretty handily the last three years. And, you know, basically, you know, you kind of thought that Illinois, at least you know, if you were an Illinois fan, you, you, you go into thinking that, you know, they were going to beat that, uh, you know, beat Rutgers. 
you know, flash forward a couple of weeks and Illinois is 0-3, Rutgers is favored. Uh, all that being said, Illinois, the reason why they were, uh, you know, they had lost the first three, three games was, was because they, they you know, came in reeling from, from you know, an outbreak of, of, of COVID-19 cases. I, I think they got uh, a number of players back. I think that, you know, kind of helped bolster the roster a little bit. Um, looking back on it, anytime you have a 10-point lead in the second half, disappointing. You, can't, you, you, you just can't surrender that. I think they kind of got away from what, you know, really um, – they were successful at, and I was running the ball. You know, a week, uh, a week before Minnesota had rushed for 325 yards against against the same Illinois team. Rutgers was having success. Isaiah Pacheco was having his best game of the year. Kind of got away from it, and then certainly the uh, you know the play that everyone's talking about now is the uh, you know the first and ten from the 37. You know, throwing the ball there certainly a questionable decision. Um, I look at it as I think it was, you know, a lack of confidence maybe in the kicking game. Um, you know, Valentino Ambrosio, who, you know, uh, most Rutgers fans had never even heard of, you know, at, at 1 o'clock on, on, on Saturday. Uh, you know, I don't think Graciano really you know, wanted him to kick anything, you know, you know, outside of maybe from the uh, 25, 30-yard line. So uh, all those things contributed. The defense got tired, I think late and uh you know they just weren't able to really stop uh what Illinois was uh, running at them look you've been covering records for a long time and in that time you have certainly seen tough losses before from the Scarlet Knights of course there have been tougher losses than this one in you know it being the fact that it's only week four in year one of a rebuild but how do you think coach and the staff are preparing this team to now bounce back and look past the tough loss to Michigan to this Michigan game this coming Saturday night because a team like Rutgers especially a lot of the more senior players they're not used to coming off of a coming off a loss in a game that they probably should have won because most games coming off loss you know they were they, they lost pretty handedly now you're coming off a tough one a game that you know you wish you maybe had back how do you bounce back from that how is the staff helping this program bounce back from that and now look ahead to Michigan it's a good question. Um, if I had the, the the right answer, maybe I'd be making four million dollars. Um, <laughs> you're telling me uh, you're not. You know, you're telling me you're not. Come on. <laughs> a little close to it. <laughs> you know, I, I think you know, Craig Schiano, The one thing that he's really good at is, from a psychological standpoint, trying to get the, the, the his players to bounce back. I don't think they're they're, they're going to lack for motivation. You know, Michigan is a you know tradition rich program. You know, anytime Michigan comes in, you know, into your building. You know, no matter who you are, I think, uh, you know, I don't think you really need to get too much motivation to get up. I think from the standpoint of, you know, Michigan's one and three. Um, I think a week ago, had Rutgers won this game, they were two, they, they'd be two and two. All of a sudden, you could start dreaming of maybe, you know, a bowl game and, you know, who knows, maybe even a winning record. At this point, I think Rutgers wants to be as competitive as possible um, and, and, you know, try to, you know, try to, keep uh, Michigan, you know, <laughs> reeling and, uh, e- even further. I think they're going to try to throw some trick plays at them. I think they're going to try to, you know, force some turnovers. If they can do what they did against Michigan State, now they're not going to get seven turnovers like they did against Michigan State. I'm not saying that. But, you know, if Joe Milton starts the quarterback, I know uh, Jim, Jim Harbaugh has talked about opening up the, the uh, quarterback competition, but I still expect Milton to start. You know, he's thrown four interceptions. I mean, I think there could be an opportunity there for Rutgers to maybe, uh, you know, try to create some tur- turnovers. Uh, again, trick plays on, you know, on, on offense and then get back to what they've been good at. You know, Isaiah Pacheco, 
week uh, week one against Michigan State, I think he, he got his number called 24 times. They kind of got away from uh, the two weeks after that a little bit. And then uh, this past week, you know, had his best game. So I think you're going to have to get your ball to, to, to your playmakers, Isaiah Pacheco and Bo Melton, and then try to take it from there. Noah Vedrill has obviously come under fire because of the costly turnovers this season. Of course, the interception with just over a minute to go allowed Illinois to get the ball back and then march down for what was a game-winning field goal. These turnovers, of course, have led to fans now possibly calling for Art Sitkowski to, at the very least, get a look. What has Greg Schiano said about the quarterbacks going forward? And could you foresee Art maybe getting that look against Michigan this Saturday? Yeah, I mean, he gave uh, Noah Vedrill a vote of confidence. And, um, you know, that, I, I wasn't surprised. I mean, having covered Greg Schiano for, you know, you know, throughout his first tenure, you know, this was a guy who, who uh, you know, stuck with Mike Teal, you know, uh, through thick, thick and thin. Um, you know, I think, you know, I, I, I didn't think he would pull the plug this early. Um, I think that Noah Vedrill, all along, I, I, I thought that he was, you know, just from a fit, you know, the scheme standpoint, I think he fit what, what they wanted to do with Sean Gleason. All that being said, to get back to your, your original question, I do think he could pull the plug on, on you know, and, and, and yank Noah Vedrill if the interceptions uh, pop up again because there's one thing that Graciano is not going to have the, the patience for is interceptions. He might be able to stomach it, you know, and, you know, may, maybe thinking that the uh, a game against Illinois was an aberration. Uh, until that point, you know, Vedral had, had been pretty accurate. You know, what, what wasn't as big of an issue. But you know, if, if all of a sudden he starts starts throwing the ball to the other team again, I think you could probably see a, a, you know at, at that point. Maybe he, he, he tries to go with, uh, you know, plan B, and that would be Art, Art Sikowski. So you mentioned it earlier. A story within the game last Saturday was the debut of kicker Valentino Ambrosio, someone who I had certainly never heard of prior to. I'm sure most Rutgers fans had not heard of um, prior to this past Saturday. He went two for two on field goals. I know he missed the one at the half, but I believe the time ran out before he got it off anyway, so it didn't even matter. What can you tell us about his journey from Rutgers soccer to Rutgers football and why he was tapped, you know, over Justin Davidovitz and Guy Fava to handle the field goals and extra points last Saturday? Uh, I'll get to your second answer first. Uh, that, that was the reason why he was tapped is because, you know, if you, if you take uh, Graciano at what he said, it was because he beat out uh, Guy Fava and Justin Davidovitz during a week. I think he has pretty much indicated that the kicking competition will be a week-to-week competition. Um, as far as his story, it's a really good one. I mean, he, you know, this was a kid who, you know, was a uh, Cranford High School product from Union County, and was a kicker in high school, uh, was also a club soccer uh, player, like a really good club soccer player for, for, for the uh, Red Bulls uh, club team. Um, so he was uh, kicking field goals for, for Cranford High School, uh, really accurate. I think he had a long of 45 yards, but then he, he went to college and went to FDU to play soccer, Division One soccer. Transferred after a year, transferred to Rutgers, uh, started 12 of 18 games but, um, last fall uh, with a pretty good midfielder. Uh, I think he probably would have been playing soccer again um, had it not been for the fact that you know soccer was, was postponed this season by the uh, Big Ten. So, you know, there was an opportunity for him to, to, to compete, you know, athletically. And I think he wanted to uh, maybe give, you know, field goal kicking, you know, another another try. Again, this isn't someone who's never done it before. I mean, we've seen, you know, at, at all levels, including in the NFL, 
every once in a while, you know, a soccer style kicker. Um, you know, the, the, you know, he's, you know, he's a perfect uh, case for that. Uh, but he also does have some experience. So Michigan right now, like Rutgers, is obviously one and three. But I think the one and threes for both teams are very different. Like Rutgers has shown progress, and that's really all this season was about. Michigan is right now in disaster mode. Do you think Rutgers has kind of lucked out in a way by getting Michigan now when everything seems to be unraveling for the for the Wolverines after what was a blowout, not even close at any point in the game, lost to Wisconsin? So here's what I'll say about that. Michigan, you know, they, they, they looked great in the first week against Minnesota, you know, on the road, get, getting that win. Second week, lost a rivalry game. To, to a Michigan State team that, you know, yes, Rutgers beat, but you know, anything can happen in those types of games. You know, third week, uh, lost to Indiana, who we, I think we've uh, discovered now after four weeks that Indiana might be a top-ten team. I mean, they're ranked in the top-ten, but, you know, they, they're, they're a pretty legit team. And then this past week, Wisconsin, you know, Wisconsin has, you know, been, been one of the best teams in the Big Ten for a long time. You know, they might be the uh, second-best team in the Big Ten right now. All that being said, I don't look at Michigan's one and three record and, and say that they're, they're a bad team. You know, they might just have had a, you know, a, a, you know, a, a string of games where, you know, it's just, you know, they were, you know, they were under, you know, overmatched. So I do think that just from a talent standpoint, Michigan, you know, certainly has recruited better. Uh, they've, they've blown out Rutgers, you know, five years in a row, you know, average margin of victory, 51 to seven. Um, you know, I think Jim Harbaugh just reading the quotes and you know listening to some of his press conferences this week. I think he's going to be you know have them chopping at the bit, um, and I really do think that you know Rutgers is going to ha- have their hands full with this team. Sarge, a couple more from you before I let you go. What do you identify as? I guess your two or three keys for Rutgers, who again are a nine point underdog, to pull off the win or at least keep it close and competitive at home this Saturday. Yeah, I think winning the turnover battle. I know coaches will say that all the time, but you know, I think uh, you know if they can have that uh, same type of success that they're having against Michigan State, yeah, you know, I think that's going to be a big thing. I think there might be some some um, you know opportunities again. Like I said, Joe Milton, if he is a quarterback, you know he's you know fifty eight percent passer, not not the most accurate guy in the Big Ten, and he does throw the ball to the other team every once in a while. I think again. We, we, we know this team. There's one thing that we do know: they're they're going to throw some trick plays. Um, you know, we you know a lot of it. We, we've seen some, you know this, even this past week. You know, they, they they ran a Statue of Liberty play that didn't go for a touchdown, but it was still out there. Um, so I would think that uh, Sean Gleason will be cre- creative if they can hit on one or, one or two of those early on, maybe uh, swing the momentum. And then three, you know, defense was was so disappointing. And again, I think part of the reason was was you know Illinois had like a five minute uh, game time advantage. I think you know the defense kind of wore down late. But if they could play winning defense, and I think Rutgers can can uh, you know set the tempo and, and do what they want to do offensively, and maybe try to uh, you know, play complementary football and keep the defense off the field, I think they'll uh, have have a chance to, to maybe uh, pull the offset. Last one for me, two one and three teams, Rutgers and Michigan. Who do you think wins here in week five at SHI Stadium? Yeah, I, I think, again, I think uh, Michigan, I think they've recruited better. And I think Jim Harbaugh, I don't look at them being a, a bad, you know, team at one and three. I think they've, you know, played some pretty good teams. And yeah, I think, you know, Jim Harbaugh is, is going to have them, them ready to play. Um, I think Rutgers will be it'll be a lot closer than, than uh, the past games against Michigan have been. 
ultimately, I think, uh, you know, 34 20, maybe, uh, you know, 14 point game. You know, if you, you know, looked at that score at the beginning of the year and said, wow, Rutgers uh, played Michigan uh, within 14 points, two touchdowns, uh, most Rutgers fans would have uh, signed for it. I think it'll be more competitive. But I think uh, Michigan just has too much talent. Keith Sargent of NJ Advanced Media. Sarge, as always, thanks so much for coming on. And, of course, right now, most importantly, be well and stay healthy. Anytime. Thank you. He covers Michigan football for MLive.com and the Ann Arbor News, and he joins me to talk about the Wolverines. I'm happy to welcome on to the podcast Aaron McMahon. Aaron, thanks so much for coming on and giving me some time today. Yeah, no problem at all. So let's start with the overall season for the Maize and Blue. One and three, three straight losses to Michigan State, Indiana, and last week against Wisconsin. What is the fan reaction and just the vibe surrounding the team? And I think most importantly, what are the fans right now saying about Jim Harbaugh and his future in Ann Arbor? Oh, boy. I'm uh, wondering where to start here. Uh, they're, they're frustrated. You know, there's There's been this sense, I think, ever since Jim Harbaugh came to Ann Arbor in Michigan that they would, you know, at some point at least, you know, win a Big Ten championship and get to that level where they're, you know, they're competing year in and year out for a national title, you know, kind of where Ohio State is at this point, and they just they haven't been able to get there. Uh, you know, they've gotten close to the Big Ten title game a couple times, haven't gotten there. Uh, and then, and then, you know, I think coming into the season, there was there was obviously this growing, I think, frustration from the fan base that Jim hasn't gotten them to this point after five years. Now he's in year six, and they're off to one and three start. Um, you know, it's it's starting to boil over. You know, the fan base has kind of, in, in a way, had it with him. They, they've, I think, they they feel like they've given him a, a chance here. Like I said, they're in year six now, and while the results have, have largely been there, I mean, Jim Harbaugh's he wins out of you know two out of every three games they play. I mean, they're all they're relatively competitive uh, with you know the top level of the Big Ten. Um, the, the, the one in three start this year, I think, has, has a lot of folks upset. Um, they were expected. I don't think they were expected, you know, to really compete for the Big Ten championship this year. But I, I think a one in three start has, has a lot of folks kind of, um, you know, uh, you know, jerking their head. They're, they're, they've had to take a double take, and that goes, you know, for us. I think that covered the team as well. I mean, I forecasted this team to probably go five and three this year, and the fact that they're one and three through the first four games has, you know, has me a little, little surprised. What's been this team's Achilles heel? And look, I'm sure there is more than one issue, but why has this team struggled and really underwhelmed the last three games? What changed, I guess, after a pretty dominant win over Minnesota in Week 1? That's that's a good question. Uh, I think it's a multitude of things. You know, they, they've certainly been hit, I think, particularly hard when it came to the opt-outs uh, and injuries. You know, they, they had their best receiver decide not to play this year. Uh, he was probably would have been a first or second team all, all Big Ten guy, Nico Collins. They had their top cornerback, Ambry Thomas, uh, opt out, and and I think those both sides of the ball they, they've had issues there. I mean, the, the the secondary struggled in the first three weeks. Uh, you saw it specifically against Michigan State, Indiana, where they really couldn't they couldn't cover the receivers. Uh, the both teams were able to throw for more than 300 yards on the Wolverines. They were able to do with whatever they wanted to. And Michigan's, you know, had really had no answer for it. They're starting a pair of first first year cornerbacks in Vincent Gray, um, and Jamon Green. Um, you know, they had and before even before this year, they both, you know, hadn't had a ton of experience. So they're they're kind of learning on the job, so to speak. 
Um, and then the injury bug. You know, they, they've lost now their, their, one of their star defensive end, Aiden Hutchinson, for the rest of the year. Their other star defensive end, Cody Pay, did not play last week against Wisconsin. And then now for the last two games, Michigan's been playing without their, their starting offensive tackles um, on, on, on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, it's, it's been a multitude of things. The, the, the offensive line struggles have, have, you know, kind of spilled over to the run game. Michigan hasn't been able to run the football the last couple of weeks. They haven't been able to kind of get going offensively. And then you've got the quarterback struggles too. Um, you know, this year's starter, Joe Milton, has now thrown four interceptions in the last two games. Uh, he threw two interceptions on the first two drives last week against Wisconsin. Uh, and then he ended up being pulled in the third quarter. So there's a lot of things going on here. I think it's a combination of just, you know, opt-outs, lack of inexperience, injuries. And, and, just, and right now this team just doesn't look very good. And let's talk about the quarterbacks because Jim Harbaugh, he opened it up this week between Joe Milton and Cade McNamara. What do you believe, or I guess why do you believe, Milton's really struggled so much this year? And how do you foresee the quarterback the quarterback position going on Saturday night with, like you said, against Wisconsin, both guys playing? Do you foresee something like that happening again uh, against the Rutgers on Saturday? That's a good question. You know, Michigan's dabbled with a two-quarterback thing in the past. I, I don't think they prefer it. So I think by the end of the week, or maybe you know, maybe it'll be pre-game Saturday. We'll probably have an idea of who the quarterback will be. I, I would expect Michigan to go with one. Um, but in, you know, in regards to Joe Milton's struggles, he he just hasn't looked real comfortable in the pocket the last few weeks. Uh, week one against Minnesota, Michigan did a really good job of kind of weaning him into the offense. It was his first ever start, or at least first ever time, kind of you know, in the spotlight. And they did a good job of getting him comfortable early on. There were a lot of early, you know, screen passes and, and short dumps to try to get him, get him comfortable, uh, you know, and get him going. And, and that's kind of what helped Michigan's offense. Since then, uh, it's been a struggle. You know, the, the offensive line struggles I mentioned to you a little bit earlier, have, they, they haven't been able to, um, you know, protect him very well. They have to only get the run game going. And while he didn't play particularly poorly against Michigan State Week Two, they had to lean on him for production. And when you lean on a guy who just hasn't been in that spotlight before, who hasn't really been able to show that he can do it. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a position you want to be in. And that's one of the reasons Michigan you know, lost that game against the Spartans week too. So he, he's just, he's, he's a rest. He hasn't been able to get comfortable early in the pocket. Uh, it, it, even when he's been, you know, counted on or had that protection to throw those deep balls, uh, he hasn't been able to execute them. You know, he struggled. To, he's got a really strong arm. It's something we heard about a lot in the last couple of years and during the offseason. You know, when we hear in practice, he can throw 70 yards in the air. He's got a can. If you watch him you know, release the ball, it, it comes out quick and it comes out, you know, uh, you know, fast. Um, but that hasn't necessarily translated success. Uh, so it, it's it's a combination of those things. He just hasn't been playing well right now. Kate McNamara is an interesting prospect. He's a redshirt freshman, so again, he's another guy that just hasn't played a ton. I, in fact, I, I don't think he played at all last year, even despite the the four game redshirt rule that they're allowed to play. Um, but he's he's a guy who put up a lot of yards in, in high school, over twelve thousand yards in in, in the in Nevada. They've won a couple of state championships. Uh, he's a talented kid. Uh, but again, he just hasn't been able to prove it, you know, show it much on the spot, you know, at the college level. He looked good in one drive last week against Wisconsin, but as, as I've told Michigan fans this week, you know, it was it was just one drive. Uh, the opponents don't have a ton of tape on him just yet, so uh, it, I'm curious to see what Jim Harbaugh, which route he goes, because if you go with Kate McNamara, then you, you risk. Um, you know, losing Joe Milton, you know, whether it's confidence wise or just losing his, you know, him and maybe he decides to transfer. I, I don't know, but um, it's, it's another um, issue, I think for the Harbaugh era, you know, Jim came into Ann Arbor in 2015. He was kind of considered this quarterback guru, um, you know, and he hasn't been able to kind of do that at Michigan. He's brought in some transfers, 
In fact, he's had to rely on a couple transfers because the the recruited high school quarterbacks he's been able to get uh, just haven't haven't panned out. You know, Brandon Peters uh, transferred to Illinois. Dylan McCaffrey uh, opted out this season and, and looks to be transferring as well. So he just hasn't had a ton of luck, a ton of success at the quarterback position. I think that's one of the reasons uh, for Michigan's underperformance uh, with Jim Harbaugh at the helm. So defensively, look, the Wolverines lost a lot from last year's team. Look at some of the names, Khalid Hudson, uh, Jordan Glasgow, Josh Medalish, Josh Uche, and others as well. How have the Wolverines replaced so many of the starters they lost? And I guess, how has the defense fared? And clearly it hasn't been very good considering the scores of the last couple of games. But how has the defense, uh, I guess, fared so far after having to fill quite a few spots coming into this season? You're right. They've had to fill a lot of holes, and I think it's really hampered the the, the performance. That you know, this defense, uh, you know, has long had an identity of of getting to the quarterback, rushing the quarterback, and kind of leaving their their, their defensive backs on an island to let them go one on one with with teams. They're not really getting into that this year. You know, Don Brown, their defensive coordinator, uh, you know, likes to play that fast and, and furious defense, and and they just don't have an identity right now. They haven't been able to get pass rushing the quarterback. Um, so the quarterbacks that the, the quarterbacks Michigan's have Michigan's played, they've had time to throw, uh, and, it, and it's and they've been able to carve up the secondary as I mentioned earlier. So they're just they're playing again with a lot of younger guys. Uh, as, as I mentioned, the two defensive ends have, have been out now for the last couple of weeks, so that's certainly hurt. But they're that again, like I said, with you know uh, defensive backs, playing a lot of guys with in a work in progress at this point. They had reshuffled the defensive line last week against Wisconsin. They moved one of their starting tackles out to end. They started uh, a redshirt sophomore at defensive end. Uh, so they're playing with there's some talent and there is some talent there. If you go to linebacker spot, Cam McGrone, I think it's one of the more talented linebackers in the, in the Big Ten. Uh, they got I think one of the t- most talented safeties in the league in Daxton Hill. Um, but just a couple of those guys just isn't you know isn't going to cut it. They they need more talented guys. And and, and look, they, they may have that talent in a couple of years, but right now they're still young and experienced in this defense. Um, you know, between the lack of pass rush, the, the struggles in the secondary. They haven't really been able to find that continuity that's been so, um, you know, uh, important to Don Brown's operation in the last couple of years, and that's one of the reasons why they're giving up, you know, so many yards and, and so many, uh, so many points. So Jim Harbaugh said this week that they have to kind of look at everything they've done and really get back to the basics. Look, it's a pretty broad statement, of course, just to get back to the general basics. But in your mind, are there a few things they really need to focus on specifically? Or is the broad statement, I guess, kind of correct in that they're just not really doing anything right right now? I, I think it's a combination of both. I, I, I think they need to get back to fundamentals because they've struggled tackling. They've struggled to, to get pushed to the line of scrimmage. They've struggled to run the ball. They've struggled to throw the ball. It's, it's everything, everything you need to win a football game. They've they've just struggled at. So I, I do think there's some merit to what Jim Harbaugh said. Uh, you know, it's going to come back to them kind of, you know, going back to practicing the fundamentals, the basics. Uh, I think I think that's a little bit of a, a surprise for some folks to hear from a Michigan, you know, Michigan football program. Um, but that's just the reality and, and state of the team at this point. They, they, they've got a lot of younger guys. They're, they're missing a lot of pieces. They've got play, people playing out of position. Um, and it's it's different times in Arbor. It's it's something that, you know, we haven't seen since Jim Harbaugh's got here. Um, but it's it's certainly made it for an for interesting last, last couple of weeks. Aaron, a couple more from me before I let you go. In Michigan's fan, in Michigan's fans' eyes, it's one thing to lose to a ranked Indiana and Wisconsin team, and of course, look, every game between Michigan and Michigan State is is going to be a grinded out close game. But to Wolverine fans, 
I feel like a loss to Rutgers, even an improved Rutgers team under Greg Schiano this season, one that beat Sparty, would be, I think it would be a disaster. What could you see as potential consequences or what could be the potential blowback if Rutgers were to win on Saturday? You know, which, look, it's only a nine point spread and this year more than others, it wouldn't be inconceivable for Rutgers at home with an improved team to pull off the upset. No, it's, it wouldn't be. You know, it's funny you bring that up because we were in the press box after Saturday's game and, you know, we were, I was scrolling through social media and reading the emails and, and whatnot. And folks were, fans were obviously frustrated and some were calling this, you know, the, the low point, the perhaps the rock bottom of Jim Harbaugh's tenure at Michigan. And while that may be accurate, I, I looked at my colleague next to me and I said, you know, next week a loss at Rutgers would be rock bottom. Uh, you know, this is something that w- this would that would be a point where I think folks would have to look in the mirror and say, you know, is is Jim Harbaugh the right guy? Now, I, I don't think a you know it, it should Michigan lose on Saturday, and it's certainly a distinct possibility given the way they played the last few weeks. You know, I, I don't think Jim Harbaugh's job is in jeopardy just yet. Uh, he still has a full year left on his deal. Uh, Michigan has shown no. Uh, you know, no interest or indication yet that they're they're ready to move on from him. And even if they were, I, I don't think an outright firing would happen mid-season. I think it would come at the end of the year. It would be more of a amicable, an amicable, you know, um, agreeable uh, decision between both parties. Uh, Michigan still has a lot of uh, reverence and respect for Jim Harbaugh and the job he's done and, and history he's had at the school. Um, but yeah, a, a loss on Saturday for Rutgers, I think, would be the expo- exclamation point on a season that's kind of already gotten out of, out of, out of hand. And, and the fact that I said this to my colleague the other day, that the fact that we've been talking about this at this point, given what we knew coming into this year and how, you know, kind of what we forecasted for this Michigan team, uh, it's, it's a little, it's, it's, it's more than a little, it's, it's, it's really surprising. And of course, if I remember correctly, I believe in Brady hoax last season, there was that loss to Rutgers at SHI Stadium, uh, at then High Point Solution Stadium, uh, now SHI Stadium back when I was actually a freshman at Rutgers. So we would very much go hand in hand if uh, if Rutgers were to somehow win and, and beat Michigan uh, this season as well. So last one from me, Aaron. Look, two one and three teams, both could obviously use a win. Who wins on Saturday when Rutgers and Michigan face off in Piscataway? That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I guess I haven't made my prediction just yet, but I, I do think it'll be relatively close. You know, I think Rutgers is certainly, they, they seem like they're a, a dedicated bunch. Greg Schiano hasn't played well. They've been competitive pretty much in every game they played. And I, I don't think that'll be different on Saturday. You know, I don't I don't think this Michigan team is going to walk into, into Piscataway and, and route the Scarlet Knights team. I don't, you know, I, I just don't think that's going to happen at all. Um, I, I, I do think it's really going to depend on Michigan's offense. If they can get things going, sustain drives and, and score, I, I do think they'll win this game. Um, but if they struggle again like they did last Saturday against Wisconsin, uh, it would not surprise me at all if Rutgers pulled this out. Um, so my early prediction, I'll say Michigan wins, um, you know, probably by three, four points, maybe, you know, one possession. Um, but I'm not ready to discount Rutgers at all. They, they've clearly, uh, you know, had a turnaround here with Shiano. Greg Shiano has a history of winning football games. Uh, he deserves a lot of credit for the job he's done there in the past and, and this season. Um, I, I do think this will be a close one. It could probably go either way. Follow him on Twitter at Aaron McMahon. Aaron, thanks so much for the time. And of course, most importantly, right now with everything going on, be well and stay healthy. Thanks. You too. I want to thank Sarge and Aaron for coming on the podcast to talk Rutgers and Michigan ahead of their game this Saturday night. Look, it's crazy how two teams with the same record, both with three straight losses, can be going in such different directions. I know that we are all upset about the tough loss to Illinois, but... 
look, this was always a season of progress for Rutgers, and through the first four games, that's exactly what we have seen. For this Michigan team, on the other hand, this season, like most seasons in Ann Arbor, they were expected to be towards the top of the conference. Maybe not good enough to beat Ohio State, but at least at a level where they were right behind the Buckeyes. This is a big opportunity for Rutgers to make another statement. Win or lose a competitive, close game, even against a somewhat down, you could argue, Michigan team, it'll be another sign of progress. Of course, you know, we do not want to get into the habit of applauding moral victories, but in arguably the most difficult rebuilding job in the country, progress like this deserves to be noticed. Now, should it be noticed every year, even starting with year two? No. But in year one, that a year that's under such difficult circumstances, progress of any kind is positive. Once again, I want to thank Sarge and Aaron for coming on the podcast. It's a big game this Saturday for both teams, an opportunity for both teams to get win number two on the season. And in Rutgers' case, another chance to make a statement and another chance to show the Big Ten that big things are happening here on the Banks. Follow On the Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On the Banks Podcast.